welcome to Box Cutters episode 317. It's a four finger swipe. My name is Josh Canal. To my left, John Richards. Hello, listener. To my what? No. All right. So, you're on my left, yeah, John. Yeah. I said right, didn't I? I, I, I don't I, think it really matters. It, I think it does. I think you just created an interesting oral picture for the, for the listener at home. I know, but I don't want to mislead them with their oralness. Okay. With their oral pictureness. Right. With their picturosity. Yeah. That's the radio term for it. This is a podcast. It's similar. Anyway, to my actual right, Brett Cropley. Good evening, viewers. To my far left, to guest donor. Right. My third right. <laughs> to my almost all the way around the circle. Daniel, K- Kina- is it Kinal? No, it's Kinal. Kinal, yes. Kinal. Daniel Kinal. Yes. Uh, who is uh, one of our uh, Box Cutters $150 donors who helped us get to South by Southwest. Hi there. Hi, welcome. I know a fun fact about Daniel. Yes. Which is, yes. Uh, you, you might find this amusing. Apparently, Daniel shares some parents with you. Really? Yeah. Uh, I have two parents. Yes. Yeah. Mum and dad. Yeah. That's what he calls them as well. Right. Yeah. It's crazy. That's, Whoa. Hey. Mind blown. <laughs> hey, I've I got another f- interesting fact. Well, 317 is my birthday. <gasps> it is! 317 is your birthday. So this is your birthday episode. I'm so excited. <laughs> this is because uh, you were born on the 17th of March and... Was th- oh, not the 31st of July. Oh, no, wait, wait, that's right, because we're in Australia. You are yeah. born on the 31st of July. This is your birthday episode. Uh, yeah, this is amazing. So, congratulations. Happy, uh, birthday. happy birthday. Happy birthday, Daniel. Thanks for helping Thanks, us everybody. get to, to Austin. John uh, didn't get to go to Austin because he had to stay here to, to mind a TV show uh, that, was, <laughs> that was going to air, uh, trying to convince people that they should watch it so it could uh, rate. It was worth a go. Completely forgetting <laughs> it was on the ABC, yeah, so it was never yeah, going never to. Never going to happen. Never going to happen. But uh, Brett and I got to go uh, and uh, and and speak to a lot of people and learn a lot about the the world of television interaction and uh, and also bring you that excellent Carl Killen interview. I'm delighted to have been a part of it in my small way. Well, th- thank you. Uh, in uh, look, look, soon we'll do the coming up in the show. Uh, basically, for 150 dollars, you got to come in, see us do the show, spend some time with me, uh, which I know is is something that you didn't really want to have to spend money on. It's very special for me. Because uh, you, you don't get to see me much. Yeah. Sad. Well, not as much as I used to. Thanks for bringing the tone down, John. Everything was great. Everything was exciting. Well, then you have to bring in family politics. Yeah, <laughs> like I have to pay to see my brother now. What? <laughs> Why do you have to... Why do you have to try to pull us apart wow, like this? This show's gone wrong so quickly. Why are you you're ripping this family apart? So, Daniel, how do you watch television? Uh, through a, a myriad of ways now. Um, I actually do watch some free-to-air. Uh, That's unusual for I, our guests. I know, I know. I live know, live free-to-air? What is yeah, that even, including the even, even live free-to-air. What is this free-to-air you talk about? <laughs> well, it's uh, anyway. Um, and also, uh, also, I watch stuff that fell into my computer. Mm-hmm. And now I watch stuff that fell into my computer and send it through the uh, air to my big TV through a little black box that does cool stuff. So you so you watch on your TV via a magic box that connects to your computer via Wi-Fi. Correct. WD one. Th- and the magic box also um, does iView. I'm most interested in the in the free to wear TV that you watch because you are the first person to to come in and say that that's how you watch TV. What do you watch free to wear? Um, well, sometimes I'll just turn it on and uh, watch some kind of uh, 
how I met your mother or something like that. Mostly um, I watch free-to-air when I'm looking over the shoulder of my children who are watching ABC Kids. And what sort of things do, do they watch? Are, are they still... Uh, are they still in the night gardening? Are they? They're fortunately, a bit older than fortunately that now. they're over watching that living nightmare. That's terrifying. That show uh, is terrifying. Yeah, I, Dave Lawson really likes it. He was uh, telling oh. me last week he really likes it. I just I'm so frightened. When by Lawson it. kills someone, I'm going to be the first going. Yep, <laughs> saw that one coming. Coming up later on in this episode of Box Cutters, we are going to look at the state of reality TV on Australian screens at the moment. So uh, we're also going to speak to Bobby Flynn, a former contestant on Australia Idol. In the segment you've been calling When the Reality Ends. Yes, When the Reality Ends. We'll look behind the songs. So, yeah, talking to Bobby about what happens after. We've got some uh, one thing, if you're going to watch one thing, some pork. As always, though, we're going to kick things off with the Box Cutters News. Brett Cropley, The Office, uh, is still running. The uh, the, the US Office uh, t- TV series. The, yes. the original UK version only ran for two seasons. Uh, the US Office uh, finished season eight at the end of last year. People are unsure of its, uh, its future. It's been announced that this uh, season, season nine of The Office, is to be the last one. At long last. Now, they're doing a spin-off series. They are, uh, on Troot Farms. And uh, somebody from Twilight, I think, has been cast as uh, Dwight's brother? Yes, you've pretty much given me more information than I knew. The, the thing about people from Twilight is, someone could say, such and such is from Twilight. And I would go, uh-huh. Yeah, there's no way of knowing, really. <laughs> no, no, there is no way. There's no way. It's not possible it's, to know it? who was in Twilight or not. Uh, and Greg Daniels is coming back to uh, to the office for the final season to to act as showrunner. Uh, also in uh, in the news this week, uh, David Mott, the head of uh, Channel Ten, gone, Brett. Yes, gone. gone. Well, he was doing such a such a poor poor job uh, with uh, with. Uh, so you think you can dance now? Everybody, Everybody dance, dance now, now which we'll talk, we'll talk about, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, that uh, clearly he was responsible for uh, for their poor performance and had to go. It's a John Carter of Mars story, isn't it? Yeah, how the, the dude from he, Disney got pushed after John Carter of yeah, Mars. Yeah, which apparently was, was quite good, but they just couldn't get a good title for it, and so it uh, terrible Because this is the other thing, yeah, if you look at Mott's uh, actual stuff he put through, it's not bad, necessarily. I don't know, I mean, you look at it and go, on paper, it's actually... A fairly, you know, interesting good lineup. He's, he's, he did MasterChef, uh, uh, Biggest Loser, Puberty Blues is considered to have been a success. Yes, uh, so you know he he has he has a great track record from from about five to seven years ago, uh, and a lot of those shows have gotten old, and the new shows weren't weren't great. But he. He did. He did some great work. He seems to have been pushed out quite unceremoniously, though. Also, there's been industry speculation that uh, while he's still been uh, head of programming at Channel Ten, uh, he hasn't actually had the final say on a lot of things, which you know might have actually ended up with Lachlan Murdoch's wife uh, hosting everybody dance now. Right. Um, I, I think that there had been uh, quite a change in, in who was actually in control after uh, Jamie Packer and, and Murdoch uh, came in. So maybe David Mott doesn't, doesn't mind 
leaving. Well, it it seems he's uh, he's a bit of a scapegoat if those uh, if those whispers are to be believed, and uh, and he wasn't actually. Responsible for, for Channel 10's programming over the last uh, year or so. Right. So, I'm not going to be your puppet anymore, says David Mott. Headline, Brett Cropley News. Is that, is that what's happening? <laughs> According to a source, I believe is what Grazia would have called that. Uh, <laughs> Channel 7 and Channel 10 uh, have both met with, uh, uh, with Cricket Australia to uh, work out how they can get rights to more cricket. This is this is uh, quite quite huge because the uh, cricket has been on Channel Nine for a very long time, basically since uh, How's That aired last week. Channel Nine has had the cricket, and is that how it worked? No, Brett? from the seventies. Oh, from the seventies, yes. and then last week wasn't live. That was just stuff that was made dra- dramatized. It was a period drama. Okay, okay, no, I'm getting it. It's dramatized. I'm getting it. I've, I'm getting it. I've got it. I've got it. Uh, so Channel Nine uh, has had a lot of a lot of history with with cricket, probably about about uh, thirty thirty five years uh, of of having the cricket on Channel Nine. Uh, now uh, their uh, cricketing license is coming up for renewal in March twenty thirteen. Uh, Channel Seven and Channel Ten uh, saying to Cricket Australia, "You have Test matches, you have One Day matches, and you have twenty twenty matches. Surely we can all have a, a piece of that pie." And they're looking at uh, at the possibilities. So the rights uh, might be split for all... A three-way. Yeah. For, Anything uh, for, for all cricket? I'm uh, sure. For Foxtel? I'm sure, but they're not mentioned in, uh, in, in this article. Uh, the, uh, the, the biggest thing would be if three free-to-air channels have, uh, have cricket. It's going to be, I don't think, great necessarily great for cricket it, it might be good for those channels but one of the great things about channel nine covering the cricket is that they really have expertise in in a field that their cricket coverage has been without richie benno easily uh the uh but the the uh the expertise not necessarily in the commentary team uh, because it's very easy to train up uh, ex-cricketers into doing something else for, for a living. Yep. The the expertise in directing and shooting, uh, and shooting the, the cricket, Channel 9 has done, and, and they do that so much better than anyone else in the world. If I was 9, if I was running 9, this is what I would do. I would split off the cricket, uh, the, the cricket production team and make them an independent... Uh, cricket production house and then farm them off to other networks so that a piece of that pie still came into uh, the, the pocket of uh, the organisation. That's what I would do. That, that is my advice to Nine for free. It's a pity you're not an accountant, so you're not going to be making that call. Yeah, oh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't make that call. Uh, lastly, in the news, John... The we, Sci-Fi Network. Because yeah, you're, you're talking about crickets is white noise to me. So let's talk about Blake Seven. Uh, the Sci-Fi Channel in America has. There's been rumours this for ages, and um, it's a bit of a alarming to see that it may be true that Sci-Fi is planning on a US version of Blake Seven, the classic UK science fiction series from the late seventies, created by Terry Nation, who also invented the Daleks and Survivors, which uh, led itself to a really terrible remake recently. So, uh, but not, but not a terrible US remake. No, that was a terrible UK remake. But the thing you've got to say is that Battlestar which of course was sci-fi's biggest hit, which was this grim space opera, sci-fi drama thing, actually looked more like Blake 7 than it looked like 
the original Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> like, it's actually closer. So knowing how grim that was, and knowing how grim the actual premise of Blake 7 is, either it'll be the grimmest thing ever, or they'll just reverse it, and it'll be like... You know, happy bunnies running around saying, we love the Federation, because they'll just do something crazy. Well, I'm just remembering how cheap uh, actual Blake Shark 7 was. was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and and how uh, even by today's standards, sci-fi doesn't spend that amount of money on their on their new productions. No, but Battlestar Galactica looked great. And, and yeah, but, Blake 7 can easily look... But they spent all their like money on Battlestar Galactica, and, and they've got nothing left. The... Uh, sci-fi has just gone really, really cheap recently. Well, uh, so I just I do want to know what Blake Seven starring Tiffany is going to be. Well, like. my my assumption is they're doing it because I want another Battlestar Galactica. If they go ahead with it, it will pr- presumably be incredibly like Battlestar Galactica, which it easily can be. Yes, because that's all there. But they'd need to get the writers to work on it. Um, well, the writers are that. that thing. Joe P- uh, Pekaski from Heroes is meant to be writing the script, and Martin Campbell, who directed Casino Royale, is down as the director. Casino Royale was a great-looking film. So it's a kind of impressive... This is the, the most recent Casino Royale. Not, not, the, not the one from the 60s. Not the one with Orson Welles. <laughs> no, and, uh, yeah. no, not that Casino Royale. But, yeah, that's a fair question. Uh, so, look, I, I don't know if it's a good idea or not, but, I mean, my assumption, too, is it will be it will have as much to do with the original Blake 7 as Battlestar Galactica had to do with the original Battlestar Galactica. It'll just be a completely different series, which you can either enjoy or not enjoy on its own merit. And that is the Box Cutters News. Australia's ultimate dance competition is coming to 10. Team Jason versus Team Kelly. John Richards, your favourite television show of all time was uh, axed during the week. Mm. See, I mentioned in passing that I quite enjoyed the one episode of Everybody Dance now that I watched. And, You're gushing. And, and, well, this is your thing, because, yes, we were talking about reality. And well, because you haven't come down uh, on either side of uh, Game of Thrones, Thrones as yet. Now, now when you do have an opinion about a television show, we're just going to go all hyperbolic. Well, no, this is the other thing, because I don't like reality shows in general. I don't find them that interesting. And I watched an episode of Everybody Dance now. It was actually the first episode. And I really enjoyed it. And I really enjoyed it, because even though... I would rather have had more dancing and less hosting. Um, there was a whole bunch of stuff happening which I liked. I liked the fact that there was no audition programs. We just got shown the talent. Mm-hmm. There was no one's tearful story about how they, their grandmother was dying and they were doing this to do something for some reason. There was none of that nonsense. It sounds like terrible reality <sighs> there, there was I, need to ask, I need to ask Bobby Flynn when he's in later if... Uh, if he has a dead dad, oh, and, yeah. and if yeah. he doesn't, if he thinks that's why he, he didn't one? win, yeah. if that's why he didn't win Idol. Um, also, what I really liked about the show was that the the dance troops who were on were already preformed people who were existing and performing together before the show, which even on the most direct level means that appearing on that show means they might get more gigs. I, I kind of like the fact that just you know there's a practical reason they might want to be on there, and. They were all good. And there were some really great dancers. And also Kelly, uh, I've just forgotten to say it. Roland. Roland, is it Kelly Roland? Who I thought would be all diva-ish, turned out to be like a young Oprah. And she was just, because also they were doing the whole MasterChef thing of it being positive. So the idea was that the, 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 the judges had to kind of say, vote for my team because they're great, not don't vote for the other team because they suck. It was clearly rigged as far as the actual structure goes because mathematically it had to have both teams having equal number of people get through the first section to be in the second section, which is mathematically wasn't likely to happen every week unless you sort of balance the lesser acts against the better acts, which they did. But it was fine, you know, and I I enjoyed it. I would have watched it again. Then I discovered it was tanking in the ratings because I apparently have no idea what the general public (laughs) wants. And... 
in particular, all the stuff I was glad it didn't have in it, which, as Mr Cropley has just alluded to, was exactly why the people who leave those angry comments on the TV Tonight blog, who I've now decided are the average viewer, ratings, anger, ratings, anger. I assume that's how people watch television now. Um, they were furious about how it was clearly terrible because, A, it wasn't rating, and, B, because it didn't have the the audition shows, which I hate because apparently people love them. It didn't have the it didn't have the journey, which is the terrible word people keep using now, that it didn't have this thing of... They want- like the, the ending of uh, the, the ending of The Sopranos had journey. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They didn't have journey playing over it. No, yeah, but that didn't stop. They want people to be... They want to see these people artificially put together in groups. They want that. They don't want them to exist outside the program. They want the program to be the only story unto itself. And right, that so they really is where... They don't, they don't want the talent to create the drama. They want the drama to around... To be created around the show. Yes, yes. So it's... It's, and, and in fact, um, uh, uh, David Ashton, who we've had on the uh, guest on the show before, I, I mentioned earlier, he'd said something about that you don't get huge musicians coming off things like Australian Idol because the it's not a show which you're watching because you really love music. You're watching it because you love Australian Idol. You love that story and that journey. You'll buy the album at the end because it's the souvenir of the TV show, not because it's an act you want to actually buy unto itself you don't care about them as musicians because if you really like music you're not watching that show anyway and i think that's the weird thing everybody dance now actually seems like a dance show set up for people who wanted to watch dance which probably isn't going to be successful i think everybody dance now they spent millions on it there's still the trams going around with the Mm -hmm. ads for it on the side which is somehow horribly sad and poignant when you see a tram advertising something that's been cancelled for a week you know it's like oh wait wait till two months down the track when there are still trams (laughs) the the it's kind of the difference, though, between star dancers and uh, and strictly dancing or st- strictly ballroom, whatever that strictly uh, come dancing, strictly yeah. come ballroom, whatever. Uh, the uh, so there was there was the ABC uh, there was the ABC uh, competition Paul show, Tom McDermott oh, yes. hosting uh, ballroom dancers competing against each other, yep. uh, tied to, by the wrists, each with a knife in a hand, yep. and then they uh, can you know one one wins one and goes survive. on. Yep. Uh, versus star dancers yep. where uh let's call them a celebrity uh is teamed up with an actual dancer but the competition is around yes, the celebrities because one of them is actually about the talent one's about the journey yes and clearly the journey one rates a hell of a lot more than the talent one and that's the weird thing every, every dancer which, which on paper i think all of that makes sense and and yet failed also curiously though i should mention i mentioned you guys the other day that it, um, it it had two black people in it, which for Australian television is unbelievable. They were both American, but still, that was incredible. And it was actually the most multicultural thing I have seen on television, you know, in years. Did in it have country. any Australian black people on it? it well, it, it did. Well, it had lots of. There were lots of everybody. That was a great thing. There were Asian people. There were kind of Middle East because because it was all these dance troops, and a lot of them okay. were. They were all mixed, and it was. Fascinating to say, oh, that's what the real world looks like, isn't it? That's not what television looks like. Because it did, it did sound like you were saying two black people made it the most multicultural show. No, no, but, no, but genuinely, I, th- I think that actually is still, yeah, I think still two black people on an Australian show is, because that's, which that, isn't the straights, that, is quite astonishing. That, that is, uh, and not from New Zealand. The, uh, one of the things about, uh, about uh, dance schools and dance groups is it is a way that uh, people from different ethnic backgrounds can actually get together it's yeah, yeah. it one of the things that in a city that's what that's what happens yeah uh, there were a group of little little asian um gangster type dudes from redfin or something and they, they did their thing and yeah and, and so they give you these little potted stories but they weren't doing the whole let's go and follow them for three weeks and that's what people i think 
I think want. So compare that now. to other shows that are on uh, Channel Ten at the moment, uh, The Shire well, and, well, I was ask and you, Being Lara Bingle. Are they still on? Well, this is my question. I don't know if these shows are successful or not at the moment because they're not aimed at me. I'm not person who watches them. I don't get the feeling people are talking about, and even going further, like Big Brother. I don't get the feeling people are talking about these shows at the moment. Are they? Is reality hitting? Do we know if it's having any impact at the moment? I don't. Uh, I don't work with people who uh, who watch those kinds of shows uh, or talk about them. I, j- I don't talk about to people at my work. Because I'm presuming The Shire isn't intended to have a mass audience. I mean, I'm presuming that Channel 10 wants a certain demographic to watch The Shire. And this is uh, this is one thing that, that has definitely happened recently, is niche television has actually come up. We've been talking for years and years about the importance of niche television. But 10's always been quite good at it. I mean, 10 used to make more money than 7, even though it had less viewers, because they... Were, yes. were more specified for who their audience was. And, so, and they are doing that with, with The Shire. There are definitely people who are uh, entertained by, by The Shire, although God knows why. It is, I think, one of the worst things to happen to Australian television well, since thing, being Lara Bingle. The only thing I know about The Shire, because this comes through my Facebook feed, is the, uh, is the things where people get arrested. So we had uh, two of them had a knife fight in a food court. <laughs> I'm not sure, which is a bit tackier, the knife fight or the food court. And then, of course, there was the... Uh, <laughs> Thank you, Frank Thring. The, the, the more recent one, when uh, one of the guys abused and then urinated on a gay guy on Oxford Street because... When you want to prove that you're superior than someone else, clearly you piss on them because that makes you look like the better person. Uh, and he got arrested and actually was telling the police he was famous because he was in the Shire. I know that people were watching Being Lara Bingle, uh, but no one, no one admitted to actually liking it. And I think people watch these shows... It's, it's so unlike Everybody Dance Out. And it's actually unlike Idol, where uh, in... In Australian Idol, the audience gets an opportunity to judge people, but judge people based on a very particular set of criteria. Can they sing? In X Factor is, am I entertained by them? Uh, In Australia's Got Talent, it is, is that a grammatically correct sentence? There are ways that we judge people based on what what they give to us. When it comes to the Shire, the judging that still happens because th- th- that is what these shows are about they're about people at home judging the people on tv what they're saying is my life is better than those people i am a better human being than oh. than those people in being lara bingle it is uh, it is not a case of wanting to be like her it is a case of being grateful that the people at home and, and not like her that there's mm-hmm. in some ways it could be Uplifting television, if the person at home is thinking, well, at least I'm not that horrible, horrible human who's pissing on someone on the street. So in things like Britain's Got Talent, when Susan Boyle comes out and can sing coherently, like a, like a person who can sing, and everyone behaves as if it's the most amazing thing they've ever seen, like it's the second coming of Christ, that's because the bar's set so low, isn't it? Like, we're, we're, we don't kind want these people to be talented. We want them to be moderately talented, but not hugely talented. Kind of. So, so there, are two, there are two things around that. One is... Uh, one is that she can sing and everyone's amazed. But the other is that she is not in any way attractive. So, peop- so she comes out and she's not like someone people would ordinarily see on television. She is, uh, she's traditionally unattractive, not visually appealing. But the voice comes out of her and everybody is surprised. Everyone thinks she's going to be terrible. Mm-hmm. So expectations are set low uh, through centuries of television. Right. Setting setting their expectations low. Mm-hmm. So ever since television was invented in in uh, I think uh, 
five five AD yeah, yeah. Uh, by Cicero mm. the uh, the uh, expectations have, have been set low like Christians are going to be eaten by lions and and that one Christian that manages to survive that one time everyone's everyone's very excited uh, now people expect good looking people to go forward to the next round. And ugly people to be and cut. I, right. It, it doesn't. It doesn't make any actual sense. But it 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 gets to a very visceral uh, sense of survival in the in the viewer. Now we only very lightly touched then too on another show. We don't know if people are or aren't watching. It doesn't seem to have the impact that, that I'm sure Chella Nine was hoping for, which is Big Brother. You were looking forward to Big Brother. You, you got all excited. I was I was looking forward to Big Brother in that I, I wanted to see what Channel Nine was going to do with it. I thought they were going to do something different, and I wanted to see if they could recreate the the magic as as a production team. Uh, so I was excited not because I wanted to watch Big Brother because I never wanted to watch Big Brother. I was always interested in Big Brother in how it made television, and uh, and I thought, well, we're now twelve years after the first season of Big Brother. What's going to what, what's going to change? And the only thing that changed was uh, the host, the channel, and the fact that we didn't need everything explained to us. Everything else was just as awkward. Everything else was just as lowest common denominator. Everything else was exactly as it was back in the day. There was nothing new, nothing exciting, and nothing worth watching. I don't know if people are watching it. And and this is one of the problems with the rating system at the moment and uh, and and the the figures that we get it's so complicated when you look at you can have uh 22 to 55 year olds and you can have 27 to 43 year olds uh as two separate demographics you don't know what people are going for why they're going for them and but everyone talks about their show being a winner there's no way to know who is winning the ratings war and if it's actually important i, I think it i think it really comes down to are television networks giving viewers things that they want to see and are they uh, actually trying to make good television or are they just struggling? It feels to me like they're struggling. Do you think there's any hope in the fact that Puberty Blues is the success story for Channel 10 at the moment that maybe people, and how's that doing quite well, um, that people will be moving away from reality and back to... It's still more expensive. Yeah. And that's that's what it really comes down to. I mean, the, the networks now have less money than they ever had before... Mostly because they have to spend more money than they ever have before. They've got three net, three channels to uh, to to support, and really no. only only the income of a single channel. Still, it's, Australia is a very small country when it comes to uh, economic availability, and uh, we're already slicing up that pie. There's no more pie. To, it's we came up with uh, an idea of a magic pudding that you could take a slice of eat and then it would regrow magically by itself also it had legs and could talk and grant wishes i think and you're saying that's not economically viable uh, that is not economically viable <laughs> that's norman Lindsay has a lot to answer for right here with you It's a yes from me. It's a yes from me. All I can say is it's been a pleasure. Thank you, Marshall. You're more than welcome, man. And it's a yes from me, and and, and I'm thrilled that that a person such as yourself is willing to take the challenge and is willing to take the spotlight. 
three yeses. See you in Thanks, Sydney. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Matt. Good See work. It was a resounding and unanimous yes from all three judges. What a great musician. As Bobby says goodbye to his waitering days and focuses on becoming the singer he's always dreamt of. Brett Cropley, in, in working out the introduction for our guest mm-hmm. on this week's episode of Box Cutters, uh, I was doing some research and then and then thought, I can't do better than this actual sentence from, from Wikipedia. It's very rare that, that I just pull a sentence from Wikipedia. But, uh, Unheard of. It's, yeah, because normally I don't do any research at all. Uh, Bobby received his first touchdown from Mark Holden in week five. Bobby Flynn, is that legal of Mark Holden to have done that to you? He, it was legal at the time. Mark's, uh, uh, Mark's got a long history of touching things down. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, put, putting this into, into context, Bobby, you, you were uh, a, a contestant on Australian Idol mm. in 2006. Mm. Uh, you were known for your, uh, f- for your uh, self-writing of songs and your very large curly hair. Yeah, exactly. Those 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 were the two things you, you did. You did very well. You got uh, you got through to the finals, and then people thought you got ripped off. Yeah, that was the sentiment uh, broadly. But um, you know, all these things must end, and they run their course. Um, I guess it was the quirky kind of you know avant garde arrangements and stuff that kind of you know gave um, just changed things up a little bit in the format of the show, like. Well, this is the thing I was going to ask, because the, the, looking through the articles from the time, it seems to be the, the thought was that you were effectively a real musician who had somehow wandered into Australian Idol. I saw a reference to a glorified karaoke competition in, in one of them, but there was yeah. a sense that you were like a real muso. How did you end up in this? And then why? Because it seemed like it was just you that year, too. It wasn't like the whole, the whole yeah. show had changed. It was just they put you in. Well, I do know that that was the fourth season of Idol in Australia, and they were suffering the kind of fourth season blues, I suppose. They'd had a major slump, and these guys are just junkies for the advertising money. And um, the the executive producer um, had kind of actively really put it out there, I think, to get in touch with, um, I guess, the young musicians who are performing at venues, uh, young and old, but I guess the authentic musicians that are treading the boards a couple of times a week and touring and doing all that kind of stuff. And I was working at a venue in Brisbane called the Tivoli Theatre, beautiful venue, uh, pouring beers. One day, a film crew came in. They were filming another program called Rockstar Supernova for the Foxtel Network. But yeah, I just threw my hat in the ring, really. At the Tivoli Theatre that day, there were about 10 guys who'd rocked up, you know, all smelling of bourbon, covered in tats and studded collars and stuff. And um, I guess they thought, well, if this barman thinks that he can sing, let's get him up there. And I sang uh, Born to be Wild. And so I went to the next round of that, went off to Sydney, they flew me down there, and one thing led to another. But that afternoon, a couple of the guys, a couple of the line producers pulled me aside and said, hey, you know, maybe you want to try another show that we work on. And, you know, I was like, oh, it's not Idol, is it? And um, <laughs> they were like, well, yeah, it is. And I was, you, you know, the problem with Idol is it's about the coca colonization of Australia. So I, I was, yeah, I felt really strong ideologically about what the program was doing to the Australian music industry at the time. And um, I guess the direction. So I had, I was opinionated about that. And then literally they turned around and handed their Blackberry to me and said, look, everything you're telling me, I want you to tell the executive producer um so that wound up in a in a conversation that went about an hour and a half and it was a refreshing conversation with greg Benes, 
the EP. Because the articles claim that, that, that they do seem to claim that it was you who effectively changed a bunch of the rules, including that they went back to the UK to say, we want people to be able to perform original songs, because up until that, that wasn't yeah. allowed, and playing instruments wasn't allowed. That's right. Well, you know, I, well, we, I guess I really actively pushed that with the panellists, and I pushed that with the with the executive, the EP, I said, look, you know, that's the only way the show's going to last. If you want to get really reach an audience and do something that's actually interesting to watch, why not reach out to musicians in Melbourne and Sydney and all over Australia who are actually playing and fucking really working hard and, and you know, I like artists. But, but again, that's not really a pop idol... Uh, archetype. I, archetype. Not really. No, no, no. And I guess that's why it worked going on the show because I was this guy playing in small venues supporting um, singer-songwriters as they came into Brisbane, um, playing in cafes and restaurants and stuff like that around Brisbane. Um, and, you know, one of the really great things about it was stepping into an environment where there are really fixed parameters. So as an artist or, or a songwriter or whatever you want to call it, um, you have so many different options, so many possibilities that you can do. And I guess getting into an environment that has very constrained parameters, so, you know, you've got a certain kind of band, it was really refreshing um, to try and push those parameters and really work within the confines of that that boundary. Well, all that, because it mentions here in a few of these articles, one was that um, the winners are expected to record an entire album in a week. Yeah. It's, it's just ridiculous, you know. But, I mean, it's it's not shocking to anybody, I suppose, any of, it, of your listeners. But in that, like, so you were you told then at the time, part of the deal is that you will go into a studio, everything's already been done, you just lay down the vocals on the songs they've chosen? Like, what, what would be, what would a winner have to do? Essentially, that's it. You reach the 12th, um, the final 12, and they roll out these big agreements, 32-page recording agreement and an 18-page management agreement, merchandising agreement, and that's essentially the winner's document and you go through it they appoint you a lawyer they say look you know this is a this is a fair process you've got you've got access to legal counsel so you go along to um one of the big entertainment lawyers in melbourne and they sit down and they decode it a little bit it's all being paid by Fremantle, of course but um, so they're paying the lawyer to tell you whether or not their own documents are dodgy. <laughs> that's right and, and, yeah and so, that, that sounds good with and, all due respect to the law fraternity <laughs> but 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 the 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 assumption here would be that the lawyer they send you to is not the same lawyer who draws up the contract uh, that's, that's that's correct that's correct no the lawyers they they um um, they chose. Well, it was an interesting process because one Saturday morning, um, once it got down to about the final twelve, they brought in three uh, entertainment lawyers, high-profile entertainment lawyers within Sydney. Um, I think one was. There might have even been. I think David Vodica might have been one of them. Um, but we're talking about guys from Melbourne and Sydney who work in the contemporary music scene, um, dealing a lot with major labels. So they essentially like brought these three lawyers in, and, and these twelve kind of idols who range from the age of sixteen to thirty had to de- had to decide which lawyer was going to be the one that represented us. So um, that's like a reality game show, yeah, <laughs> in which rock stars choose lawyers. <gasps> yeah. See, now I can't I, believe they didn't film that. That I would watch. That's yeah. right. Lawyer number one. <laughs> if we were out to dinner, that's right. That's right. And it's the lawyer who walks in in the Converse, you know, Chuck Taylors and the the suede jacket, and everyone goes, "Wow, you know, what a cool guy." And um, <laughs> and he's the guy everyone chooses. Because you've got a quote here as well that the, the, the contract said that you won't enter into any long term contracts until three months after the final episode like all yeah, 12 of you that that's was- right so that's that's about the um 
that's about capitalizing on the exposure of 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 being on a program that has that much you know coverage so you know they don't want you starting uh, your own line of you can't sign to sony you can't you can't uh go on to channel nine you can't do any number of things until three months three months after it yeah because they want to be solely able to capitalize on your heat and they're so, so they are also expecting that the lifespan of your popularity will not last more than three months yeah it's pretty accurate let's be honest <laughs> well I, this is because we were talking earlier in the show about everybody dance now and, and part of the reason i want to talk to you is that we've talked to people from reality before but it's usually when they've been doing the show or just have the show so this is like the so hindsight from session reality? from reality oh they come in through the portal <laughs> holy yeah, no. shit um, and there's Are you a, okay? There's a quote here from Richard Kingsville from The Time, from um, Triple J, and he said, uh, Bobby made me start watching the series again. He was obviously different to the usual bland talent they showcase. He'll, he'll, but he foresees one nagging issue. He'll forever be seen as that idol guy, <laughs> and he'll be marketed as an ex-idol singer. So in retrospect, like, are you the ex-idol guy? And did it help or did it hurt? Well, look, it's, that's a really dynamic big question. I don't want to make it too long-winded. But, yeah, it's a double-edged sword, I guess. It's like the kiss of death in that, you know, it, I'm, like, pretty philosophical about it. I think you make choices in your life and you work hard and you do things that you kind of believe in and that's it. That's how you're judged, essentially. And, and I think that's, that's worked. So for all the decisions that I made on that program, I stand by them. There were times when it was really tough, you know what I mean? So you've got you've to be... I think it comes from within, right? If, if you're awkward or really kind of cagey about it, then people... You know, public are very, very intelligent, despite what, you know, network execs would, would want us to believe. It's incredible, particularly like the collective uh, consciousness of viewers. And they just, yeah, they're so sensitive to bullshit. And so I think that, um, yeah, for me, I was fine with going on the program. I was trying to be a revolutionary. I, you know, changed a few things in terms of the format. I worked really hard to, to be interesting each week. And when I left, it was a great time to leave because it felt like it was starting to get a bit homogenized. Um, but definitely, I was so conscious of the stigma, the idle stigma. And, um, yeah, but you just deal with it. I think you go through your process. It's such a big, big experience. Anyway. Given you'd done Supernova uh, and and then into Idol, uh, did you consider kind of doing a Boston Robin and going into The Voice this year? Totally. I thought about just becoming a career reality TV guy not even just singing but fucking anything <laughs> from, from what i heard what a diabolical move that'd be from what i heard uh, the the kind of terms on the contracts that they were looking at on the voice were a lot more favorable than anything in idol well i don't know they say that but like it's just not i mean at the end of the day um they can paint they can wrap it so many different ways i think i'm not saying that you know um they shouldn't get their pound of flesh because they do but i don't they're never weighted in in an artist's favor particularly well yeah 100 percent. and why wouldn't they they fucking bring you out of nowhere and put you on on their big stage and somehow convince all these people that it's you know i've got friends who are kind of discerning musicians and and um music aficionados and they like albeit older and they turn around and go wow isn't that person amazing and i'm like well they've just come to a reality program like you're believing the bullshit you know so when you left idol though i mean how uh, talk us through the the leaving of it then what what was your expectation at the time for what would come 
I guess I felt like, you know, after that, I was like, wow, it was a sense of equal relief. And yeah, it was mostly relief leaving the program. Because, you know, I was very mindful of it just being a complete and utter train wreck um, of an experience. And I was pretty happy with what I'd done and and the songs that I'd done, la 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 la. And getting the live music was really, really important to me. So that was something that they did, uh, getting the live original music, I should say. Mm -hmm. So they they brought us all back on a Wednesday night. I was kicked out off the Sunday. And then um, I'd been in Mark Holden's ear a lot about, you know, because he was a champion of the original music. And I mean, to Mark's credit, he's he is like a, a real music lover and, and he's he's like an artist, very artist kind of orientated kind of guy. So, yeah, he was in there. He was in the ears and of, of um, the execs and Greg was totally pro getting original music on the program. Because you got to remember, the show was slumped in ratings, and then by the time the season came back, they were getting 1.8, 1.9 mil, and um, you know they were like, "Well, something's working, something's going on." And so I don't know what they got that Wednesday night, but they bought they bought me back out of the that is, and so I just hung around at the house for like a week. After I was like, "What the fuck am I going to do?" I was basically homeless. My 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 partner had come down and was crashing on a couch in Sydney, and I'd moved out of my house in Brisbane. And I thought, "Well, you know, what's the rush, really?" So, so you you Stayed go in the mansion. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't fucking leaving the mansion. There's a chef. It's fucking everything. Pools. <laughs> There, there are people. I mean, we we see people here, and we see people uh, in in the US and the UK who who go on these who go on these shows to to actually make it big. By the time you were on Idol in in two thousand and six, you knew that no one from Idol was going to go on and and make it big, do anything meaningful. No, I don't know. I wouldn't necessarily agree with that. I think that um, the show was in its infancy, and I I thought, yeah, I guess. My whole kind of philosophy of music and the way people find it, it's a very personal thing and, and it's almost the hunt of finding an artist or finding new music is is such a personal experience um, and it's a word-of-mouth experience and really that's the thing and that's why the marketers and all the kind of business gurus can never quite understand in the entertainment industry because it's about an individual search for something that's going to elevate their life. Do you know what I mean? It's the same with film. And... Um, so that was the the major dichotomy. There were all these things that, in my mind, were completely at, at odds with the actual real experience of listening to music and relating to an artist and doing all that kind of stuff. And there was no label that you signed up with? At the, at no, the Sony gave me the option. They flew down to Melbourne. I was down there for the panel Christmas special. And they um, they met me in a hotel room and said, look, you know, we really love what you did on the show. I thought, well, this is nice. They're coming to meet me and, and maybe look at doing something together in the future. Mm-hmm. I was pretty, you know, strong about needing a development deal at that stage because I thought, well, that's what I want to do. I want to spend a few years developing what I'm doing and then actually have some real songs. And um, they sat me down, pulled out the the contract, which had been changed, and said, look, um, we want you to sign this. We think you're an amazing artist. And I, I started, you know... And then I was like, great, well, leave it with me, and I'll get the lawyers. And I went, no, 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 you've got to sign it today for it oh, to be valid. Car salesman style. Yeah, and I was like, well, look, you know... <laughs> Would you sign under these pressures? Absolutely not. The A&R guy took his kind of Sony hat off and he said, look, to be honest, this is a 
bit of a fucked up situation but like um i really respect where you're at and like don't feel necessarily obliged to sign this shit and i was like look there's no way in hell i'm gonna sign this today like my lawyer's got to look at it la 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 and i said look you know i'm really interested in working and building a relationship but then they're not it's obvious man they're just gonna push a record out and capitalize on that and and so they should. They're a fucking multinational corporation, and it's like trying to turn around a, a an oil tanker. You just don't do it. You know what I mean? Going going through this experience, do you think you've come out uh, a better musician from from the end of it? Yeah, absolutely. That's like I mean, there's there's a lot. There was a great deal of growth and a great deal of learning. Like I think it's easy to sit on the sidelines of these kinds of things and and see see the corporate greed and the money hungry kind of behaviors it's just obscene like we're watching the voice um and just the constant references to go online and purchase 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 it's just sick and 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 that's the thing that as a consumer or as a a viewer you you just go well this is just shit and you switch it off and you walk away where you know the first few weeks of that show had was actually cared about the audience and and were engaging us on a on a soft level and sure some of us are going to buy it so I guess it's easy to stand on the sidelines and look at the corporate aspect of it, but there was so much growth um, on a personal level uh, for me that I got out of being in that show. Um, so yeah, it was it was certainly beneficial. It's interesting. Now you've got you know, you've got an album you've you've crowdfunded your last album. Yep, and you're gigging around the place, and it's interesting. It almost seems like the the people who are buying your records and listening to you now. Are, it's almost like they're two different worlds. There's the Australian yeah. Idol world, and there's this what you're doing, which seems more like the traditional Melbourne musician kind of road. Yeah, or just just a more sustainable practice. I think it's just about sustainability, and that's what happens in the end. There's trends. There's there's like pathways, I suppose you call them, that work for people in a career or in a. Um, it's all very boring, but like they're functional and they're sustainable and they're kind of healthy. Do you know what I mean? Did Idol bring you fans now, though? I mean, are the people who listen to you now the same people who listen to you then, or are they completely? Well, different? absolutely. It's fascinating the process of coming off. Like this is something I was really aware of. Was um, not you can never control your fans, but just know them and understand them, and like get to know who they are, what they do for a living, like where they go out and hang out, what are the artists they listen to. All are you stalking your fans, Bobby? Yes, I'm stalking them. Um, well, also, also, John, a lot of people, like today I was, I was telling people that uh, Bobby Flynn was going to be on the show and, and they said, well, that's, that's the power of Australian Idol because before Australian Idol, Bobby Flynn would never have been on Box Cutters. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, exactly. I was a nobody. And now, now you hear, now, now, now the offers are rolling in. So, Bobby, you've you've come out of uh, you've come out of uh, Australian Idol. You're a better musician now than than when you went in six years ago. Uh, you're uh, you're older. You, you're clearly uh, you're not you're not resentful. You're very really? honest. Yeah, you're not, the, you're not as bitter as I was hoping. Yeah, yeah, we were really. Yeah, we were hoping you'd be all bitter we were, and mean oh, and angry yeah. and you know. Oh, they force fed us heroin. Yeah. And, uh, that was the worst. <laughs> <laughs> but no, you seem you seem quite. You, you, you cool seem about really it, like. Well, just let's normal. be honest. I think the context of the thing it's a blip on the radar. You've got to like look at it. Just be really honest about it, and it's one event. The problem is that they they market these shows to be like apocalyptic in terms of their kind of importance in our lives, and it's bullshit. No one believes it. Um, some of the people who go on the shows, unfortunately, do fall for the trap of 
the lies. But it is just simply a, a small event in, in a career, usually at the start of somebody's career. And if it, if it lasts, well, that's a really positive thing. Uh, people can find your stuff at bobbyflynn.com. Yeah, that's correct. And are you gigging around anywhere at the moment? Yeah, we'll start gigging once the record's out. So, um, and what's the yeah. title? Yeah, we just 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 haven't decided on that just yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> If you're going to watch one thing this week, what would it be? I am currently making my way through season four of Chuck. I saw one episode randomly, which turned out to be from season three the other night, and was reminded how much I like Chuck and how there were two seasons I hadn't seen, and realized it was cheaper to buy the big box set than to buy individual seasons. So I now have five seasons, including one I've got twice, to, right. to chug through, and I'm halfway through season four. I'm loving the complete geek casting. The fact that by season four they've gone, no one but geeks watches this show. Every single person who's cast should be from some other thing. So you get to go, oh, look, it's Robin England. Oh, look, it's Sarah Connor. Oh, look, it's, it's great. So much fun. Richard Chamberlain's not dead. Yeah, it's just having so much fun with that. Uh, Sarah, Sarah Connor turning off in Chuck was uh, pretty exciting. That was pretty so, awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Brett, if you're going to watch one thing this week. My one thing is on Channel 7 on Tuesday night at 9.30. It's something that I've heard a lot of buzz about from the US, but I haven't had a chance to have a look at any of it. Is it American Bees? Smash! (laughs) (laughs) No, it's not American Bees. It's Smash. Smash is famous for being the show that people hate watch. That's really? The, yeah, that's where the term hate-watching comes from now, apparently. Oh. It's a new term, which is apparently originated by Smash, which is a show so bad that you watch it every week just to think how bad it is. If only you could is. screw it. <laughs> wow, that's an insight into your world. <laughs> oh. but, but yeah, uh, Smash has got famous for the hate-watching and the scarves. Yeah. So enjoy that. Have you seen any of it? No. <laughs> I, 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 I fancy it would be up your alley. <laughs> so to speak. No, no, too many scarves. Also, I worked in that world for seven years. I've got no need to watch it on television. Cetera, broad, to, broad, Broadway say, production, is it? Yeah. I have to say, uh, terrible show, Brett. You are, you are really? in for a treat. Uh, in I think you'll watch it, though. I think you'll enjoy it. I think you'll hate watch it by the end. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, was, uh, so I, I was watching one of the new episodes of, uh, of Futurama the other day, and Zoidberg, who is uh, one, one of my favorite characters, mm-hmm. Uh, was talking about eating a bubble cake, uh, which turned out to be a cake of soap, uh, <laughs> which uh, inspired me to choose this as my one thing. 11 p.m. on Thursday night on Gem, which apparently is a channel. My strange addiction, addicted to eating detergent and soap. <laughs> Get your fix. Half an hour of bubble cake joy. 
I on uh, I can't watch my strange gym addiction because it's in high definition and therefore doesn't come up on my box. Oh, yeah. Oh, I've only got a standard definition box. That I miss means, out in gem. That means that I can't watch it either. Or seven mate. So it's, if I was going to watch one thing and had HD <laughs> television, <laughs> I'd watch uh, I'd watch Bubble Cakes, a history. Yeah. Hey, Daniel Kinnall. Kinnall. Daniel Kinnall. Yeah, get it right, please. Yeah. Uh, Daniel Kinnall, mm. if you were going to watch one thing this week, what would it be? Well, I'm going to go pretty mainstream, actually, and uh, might even catch this free to air. I think I'm going to tune into House Husbands. Really? Do, ah. do, do you know what it is? Because originally we were told it was a sitcom, and then the ads sort of seem to be doing that, and now they're advertising as a drama, and I don't know... Uh, I think, I, think I, I read that it was going to be a small C comedy drama. Okay. <clears throat> um, it's and, a dramedy. Uh, I, I, don't, I think that means they're not really expecting you to laugh at the jokes, but it's going to be somewhat quirky Just and interesting. Um, look, uh, the, uh, I like the look of the actors, mm-hmm. and uh, I thought, well, hey, why not? Give so it a go. That's starting this week. When's it it is. It's, uh, eighth, I think it's in the, the old uh, How's That time slot. Because they were really pushing during the Olympics with so many ads, and the ads seem to mm. keep changing, and it kind of, maybe you'd like it if it's this kind of show. And it's like, I don't know what kind of show this is. Well, the, uh, the, uh, the uh, Channel 9 website calls it fresh, funny, and entertaining, and they wouldn't lie about something <laughs> that, like that's that. That's actually putting me off a little bit now. Right. There's <laughs> no reason they'd lie. Pod, pod, cast, cast, da, da, People have uh, said to me in the last few weeks, what is up with the bumpers? In, uh, why do they sound like that? Uh, to which my answer is, I'm more than happy for other people to make bumpers for box cutters. Uh, they, they sound like that because that's how I make music, through guesswork. But hang on, the bumpers that we've been using for the last six, seven years. Yeah, people have suddenly decided to come up to me and say, mm, when are they going to change? Or why do they sound so disturbing? They are quite disturbing. Yeah. That, that is very true. Yeah. Uh, I'm quite. If someone wants to ca- come up with someone who isn't Chad, because Chad will just do this. Like Chad will just do it, right? <laughs> and I'm quite happy for Chad to do it. Yeah. But if uh, if somebody wants to uh, to make us a, a bumper for one thing or uh, or any other any other part of the show, they the, send it to the uh, the email address that everyone's familiar with. Hooray at boxcutters dot net. Uh, also, sp- speaking of that email address, no one has sent in a screen cap of Brett Cropley in the audience of Dave Lawson's show. Nobody has done that. There is an actual crumpler bag you can fit two chickens in. Nice. Two what roast colour? chickens. What colour? Uh, it is brown with a yellow stripe. Oh, I've seen that one. It's nice. Yeah, it's, it's really nice. Da- Daniel, you have I, one? I have one. I, mm. I use it with pride. Well, you would. Not shame. No, no. It's, no. it's really quite no, nice. You can use it with shame as well, though, if you want. Yeah, yeah. I find it's good to have, um, have the chickens double bagged, though. I... Yeah, you don't want them to leak. Yeah, yeah. The, you, yeah. you can hose out the crumpler bags, though. It's true. So, so I'm told, but uh, they they love it. They bite at the hose. They so, bite at the water. <laughs> <laughs> so, for those who weren't listening last week, to win this fabulous crumpler prize, all you have to do is watch Dave Shed Show, which you can find on the interwebs. If you, if you go to bo- yeah, uh, boxcutters boxcutters slash episode three one six, you'll find it there. Somewhere in the audience. Brett Cropley is there, and all you have to do is be able to tell us that you found the Brett Cropley. Um, circle he's, your computer screen and post the one it to us. Getting into it is that what it is? It's yeah, so yeah. screen screen cap Cropley. Uh, put a circle around him. Or take, send that or in. take a photograph of take your computer. Photo. Yeah, email it to us. You know, photocopy it. Send it in my artist uh, rendition. Just, yeah, anything. Just if let we, us, if we can recognise it. Let us see that you've spotted the crumpler in the audience, yeah, and, and you can win the crumpler. And you bag. you will win you will win an actual crumpler bag that will be mailed to you. Australian listeners only. Hey, Jesse's going <laughs> <laughs> hey, to be Dwight's cousin, uh, Zeke. 
And he looks very much like Bobby Flynn I, I, with the floppy hair. That's not that's not Jesse. Yeah, that's Jesse. Really? That's Jesse. He's got floppy hair. I know. Are you sure that's not Bobby Flynn? Check it out, uh, video it's podcast no viewers. It's no video podcast. That brings us to the end of Box Cutters episode 317. I want to say happy birthday, Daniel. Oh, thanks very much. Uh, thanks very much to Bobby Flynn for coming all the way in and uh, and talking to us. Until next week, my name is Josh Canal. I'm John Richards. Daniel Kinner. I continue to be Brett Crumley. That's not how you pronounce that name. Thanks for listening to Box Cutters. Catch us again next week. Same bad time, same bad channel. And hey, let's be careful out there. My name is Daniel Kinnell, professional... Uh, can I start that word again? Thank you. My name is Daniel Kinnell, semi-professional Josh Kinnell impersonator, and I donated to the Box Cutters South by Southwest. This... That doesn't make sense. Fund. Uh, my name is Daniel Kinnell, semi-professional Josh Kinnell impersonator, and I donated to the Box Cutters South by Southwest Fund. This episode of Box Cutters was produced by Josh Kinnell, John Richards and Brett Crubley, who also is the guy who makes it sound good. Peter Wilson from Supergiant makes it easy for people like me to download the show. John Richards edits the show seamlessly, seamlessly. Box Cutters thanks 3RRR, whose studios we use to record this show pretty much each and every week. If you enjoyed this show, just tell three friends about this show and help them enjoy it. If that's too hard, you can always go to boxcutters.net slash donate and actually give them cash money. Hey, that tell three friends bit sounds a bit like a chain letter, doesn't it? It is. It, it's, well, that's that was kind of that's where was I got it? the inspiration. Tell from. three friends, or you'll die. So if they if they tell three friends, then they tell three friends, then they, they tell three friends. Yeah. Soon we're uh, we're exponential, and we win Powerball or something. It's the, no, it's the airplane game. I was, th- I was thinking more like yeah, like Ring or something. Unsubscribe. <laughs> <laughs> there is, there's no unsubscribe button. There's no. Un- oh, okay. <laughs> Uh, so Daniel, yeah, I want, uh, I want to say people can tell our voices apart. Uh, pe- people listening at home, so you say something, and then uh, I'll say something. So you go first. You've been listening to, or have just missed, box cutters. All right, now it's my turn. Hi, this is Pete Smith. You've been listening to, or have just missed, box cutters. <laughs> <laughs>